Well, uh, the Aussies are gearing up for a fierce T20 series against New Zealand, which gets underway tomorrow. And to tell us all about it is a man who has travelled extensively around the globe following the Aussies from Code Sports. Good friend of the show is Daniel Cherney. Dan, thanks for your time again. Kane, Jared, pleasure to be with, with you. Dan, I don't want to get personal, but I read in the Herald Sun two days ago that the uh, holders of the stop-go signs get 120000 Given the amount of time you've been away, you must be on a huge uh, dollar at Code Sports. <laughs> uh, because it's just go, go, go. There's no stop. <laughs> no, it's been pretty full on, but uh, look, not very few years like last year when uh, you have a, a, an India Test Tour, which I didn't go on, but then the Ashes Tour and a World Cup. So it's just one of the, the, the nature of the cricket calendar. It, it is pretty, pretty full on, and uh, that's just me watching, let alone those playing. Uh, I can tell you there's no lucrative IPL deals on the table okay. for me. So that's, uh, for the that's I, need to, I need to work harder. Just put in context, if you wouldn't mind, the last 12 months of cricket. I know recency bias uh, knocks us all around, but I'm not sure I can remember a better 12 months of cricket than what we just witnessed. Oh, it's been phenomenal, hasn't it? And there's been some incredible cricket. And you're right, recency bias is always a bit of a risk. But look, I think, uh, as I touched on earlier, like the, the scope and the, the nature and the, the gravitas of the series that Australia, the men's side, has played over the last 12 months really um, you know, it shows how, how big a deal it was uh, to have an Ashes on the line, a Border Gabbiscus trophy in India and a World Cup, plus sort of home summer. And look, overall, it hasn't been a perfect 12 months for, for the Aussie men, but overall, they've uh, they won more than they've lost. They won the World Test Championship for the first for the first time as well, retained the Ashes, obviously an, an engrossing and controversial, incredible series, and then the World Cup. Then uh, in India in, in late 2023, a pretty good home summer. They were a bit patchy with their form, but in the end, they did beat Pakistan 3-0. Retained the um, Sir Frank Worrell Trophy Series against the West Indies. It wasn't, uh, wasn't ideal there, the way they lost. That's the Windies at the Gabba, but by the same token, I don't think anyone could begrudge the Windies their win and the way Shamar Joseph turned it on. And now they, they turn their attention to New Zealand uh, for a big couple of tests. And before that, they've got three T20s, which in and of themselves are not enormous matches, but they are building up to another T20 World Cup in, in June at the West Indies in the US. Dan, it's an old squad. Do we need to inject some young blood into this? Uh, Jake Fraser-McGurk is the one that springs to mind, but when you're looking at Marsh as captain, Cummins has been around forever, same with Maxwell, Warner's still there, Wade, Stark, Smith. It's reasonably old, if to put it um, bluntly. No, look, it, it is, Kane. Uh, I think when they won the T20 World Cup in uh, 2021 in the UAE, I think the youngest player in the winning 11 was Pat Cummins who had already been playing international cricket by that point for 10 years and was in his late 20s. And look, I, I suppose that's always the risk or, or just one of the, the effects when you have a very successful team that goes through together, particularly in the bowlers who have been pretty consistent across the formats. I mean, the only real change is the spinner, Adam Zampakalu, the white ball, and Nathan Lyon in test cricket. And then when you've got similar sort of batters, for the most part, playing across formats, uh, David Warner still playing in T20 cricket, Glenn Maxwell's in his mid-30s, he touched on Marsh. So, look, it, it, is, it is an older side, but by the same token, it's a side that's still winning for the most part. And they are gradually drip-feeding in some of these younger guys um, in probably some of the lesser series. We saw them in those one days against the West Indies. We saw Xavier Bartlett get a look in. Spencer Johnson is, is not that young, but he's still mm. uh, in his 20s. Jake Fraser-McGurk. So, it's a balance. I mean, it's, it's not like, say, footy where you've got to go to the draft to regenerate. You do pick your best available certainly for all test matches, I think, especially in the World Test Championship era, and then for the for the big white ball series, and then you, you pick your moments as to when you um, when you decide to opt for some of the younger guys in white ball cricket. It is very uh, much so a reflection of of 
professional sport in this era, though. We're 30 is the old 25. Yeah, that's a great great point. I mean, I think we saw we saw it with tennis, didn't we? Um, or yeah. a lot a lot of sports, but tennis in particular is the one I sort of always hark back to. I mean, Djokovic is still going at his age. You know, Federer was still successful well to his 30s. Nadal, of course. And on the women's side as well, with, with Serena, you know, being ultra successful yep. until deep in her 30s. I mean, Venus, I think, is still hasn't formally retired. <laughs> so they, they, these um, these athletes, they just go on and on. We've seen that in footy, you know, Geelong with that old, old side, were, were, you know, won the flag obviously two seasons ago. LeBron James, I mean, the list goes on in terms of how these athletes manage to keep on and, um, you know, the way they're managed. Ultra professional era, um, they're able to maintain themselves. And I dare say Kane's in the best nick of his life. <laughs> not, not quite, but uh, going okay for someone in their early 40s. Um, tell me about the top six. It feels like it's reasonably settled. There's a follow-up question to this, but Head and, and Warner at the top of the order. Mitch Marsh has confirmed that he'll bat at three. Maxwell um, will bat at four. Um, so it feels reasonably settled, and, and Tim David's been in good form as well. Where does it leave Steve Smith? Oh, look, he, he faces a real uphill battle to, to get into the 11. And, and perhaps even for the squad, for the uh, T20 World Cup, the big few games for Steve Smith, who also doesn't have the luxury of having an IPL contract to fall back on, where he can, when I say fall back on, he's in pretty good shape financially, but fall back on in terms of being able to sort of push his spot for the, for the T20 World Cup um, through the IPL, which others will be able to do. So, And I think at this stage, he's really, if he's not opening, I can't see where he fits into the 11. I envisage for this first game that they, as you touched on, with the first four spots pretty much picking themselves. Uh, and, and then David at six. I think Josh Inglis will probably bat at five, at least for this first mm. game, given Matthew Wade is not in the country um, due to the, the birth of his um, third child. And then I suspect that they will give Matt Short a go at seven, um, especially in the absence of, of Marcus Stornis and Aaron Hardy. So... I think Short will have a look down there. I mean, he's obviously done extremely well up the order for the Adelaide Strikers, but, you know, I can't see him dislodging any of Marsh, Head or Warner, but I just think he's, he's more versatile than Smith. So it'll be interesting to see if they give Smith a, a brief look down the order, but uh, at this stage, I think he's really a backup, um, at least for the 11. I mean, he's a pretty good backup to have a player like Steve Smith, but his T20 record is just, it's not exceptional. Um, he, he had fair success for the Sydney Sixers in the BBL a couple of summers ago, but um, it's been few and far between at international level for a little while now, and uh, I think there are better options. Uh, we've moved on from him, Kane. Uh, the selection uh, group has met, and uh, I think it was it was a uh, time to move on. You asking me? Yeah. Well, you're yeah, the chairman yeah, no. of selectors. Well, no, I, I, he's frustrating to watch, and I think he doesn't have the power that um, some of the other batsmen have um, in that. And you mentioned if Short's coming in at seven, uh, that's a pretty strong top seven, I would have thought, Dan. But I wonder how he'll cope with being left out. He's, he's still pretty sure of himself, Steve. <laughs> oh, look, and, and to be fair, um, when you've achieved as much as Steve Smith has, I, yeah. I'd, be, um, I'd understand that. Uh, oh, look... I'm sure for him, he will see it a bit like his opening position. He'll see it as a challenge. Uh, he'll, he'll try to you know, find a way in, however that is. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure there will be one there for him. But uh, and I suppose the question for him is if he doesn't make it to this World Cup, does he just give up on that format altogether? Uh, albeit it is still the most lucrative format of the game. But when you're not picking up an IPL contract, I suppose that mm. the money's not necessarily there elsewhere to the same extent. And the other interesting thing is, is will he get a replacement deal in the IPL? Will mm. he sort of go on for basement money somewhere? So there are, you know, there's still could be a few twists in this tale before the World Cup. You wrote a column this morning uh, questioning the future of uh, Test spinner, a uh, young Matt Kuhneman. What's your what's your uh, brief synopsis of that? 
It's an interesting position with Matt Kuhneman because he's 27. He had a pretty good debut series in India last year, took a 5 throw in that win in indoor. Yep. And then he hasn't played a Sheffield Shield match since. Uh, and it's tricky because Queensland, not, not a great state for spinners. They still rate Mitchell Swepson. He's been getting the first gig as a spinner. Yep. And he's got another year to go in his contract. This week he's out at playing for Queensland's second 11 at Casey Fields, which is just, I just don't think is, is optimal for a guy no. um, you know, who could be a, a, a fair test player for Australia going forward. They've got a test tour of Sri Lanka early next year where they're going to want to take a left-arm spinner. So, look, if I were Matt Kuhneman and I were, you know, even Cricket Australia, I'd be just trying to make sure that Kuhneman gets out of Queensland. Uh, not, not, not to anyone's fault, you know, that's just the nature yep. of the beast. Yep. And maybe get a go, say, at Tassie or South Australia or somewhere where he might be more of a, more of a chance. Before we ask you about some other matters relating to the game, captivated by the England and India series where England got smashed and just India looked irresistible, Dan. They've got batsmen that I've never heard of that are just fronting up and making runs for fun and dispatching the England bowlers into the top tier of the grandstand. It's pretty scary what they're doing. It is. I mean, at times with India, you sort of think, oh, have they, um, you know, are they going to need to rebuild a bit? Are they going to, are they going to have... You know, when you've got Coley deep into his 30s and, and um, same with Rohit Sharma and then Ashwin and Jadeja and then um, they moved on from sort of Rahane and Pujara. And you think, oh, we're, you know, maybe they're going to down for, due for a bit of a, um, a down spell. And then they, you know, un- unearth someone like a Jaiswal who's just a superstar already. Like, you're just mm. picking these guys out. Um, Safraz Khan comes in and um, on the back of um, mountains of Ranji Trophy runs, he's averaging sort of in the 70s in first-class cricket. It's unheard of struggles to, to get a game, eventually does so, and then just fits in seamlessly. So, look, I suppose it makes sense. This is what you'd expect out of India, or what, what they should be producing. They should have a glut of cricketers, a glut of world-class cricketers. And we saw it three summers ago, I remember, out here, when you know they were absolutely uh, hammered by injury and unavailability. And their, their sort of third-string 11 ended up beating Australia at the Gabba and winning that series famously. So, oh, they're, they're, you know, they are not... I was going to say they're never down for long. I mean, they're not even really down. I mean, they are just a constant threat come out here, of course, next summer, and uh, Australia have a, an uphill task to um, regain the Border Gavaskar Trophy. We're speaking about depth. Give us an example of Australia's depth. If we picked a second 11 and put it up against our number one test team, would it win if they played 10 times? How many times would they win? Well, against the first-choice side, uh, uh, you know, maybe one or two. I mean, yeah. just uh, the, the law of averages, I think. I mean... You, it's an interesting, um, interesting question. I suppose, you know, if you look at who it would be at the moment, you'd probably still have Bancroft and, and Harris and Renshaw still at the top three. You know, might have a Nathan McSweeney coming in there. Uh, maybe a Bo Webster, given the form he's been in. Depends if you want to give a go to, go to someone like a Fraser McGurk or a Matt Short. And then, look, the bowlers would be, you know, Boland, Nisa, yep. Sean Abbott um, and Todd Murphy. So, look, don't get me wrong, some pretty good cricketers in that. And Josh Inglis probably with the gloves. So, um, some decent players. But, you know, when you're going up against Cummins, Lyon, Smith, Labashane, when they're all firing, I still think there's a bit bit of uh, quality in that first side, as there should be. Are you concerned about Labashane and where he's at? Uh, A little bit. Uh, I think to an extent there's a bit of regression to the mean there with Labashane. I mean, you've got to remember, when he was averaging 60, look, you you don't get to 60 um, by being a poor player, but he he was a bit lucky with with certain things. I mean, he was being dropped more than other players. He was just probably getting the rub of the green with DRS. Just a few things were going his way. And probably over the last 12 months, they just haven't gone his way quite to that extent. So I think over the long run, you know, he's still probably a high 40s, maybe 50 test average player. Um, and it's just, it's just going to be very hard to sustain that. No, so uh, look, he, has, he did get out a couple of, uh, similar way um, in those couple of innings in Brisbane. He got sort of got squared up. So I think things have probably worked him out to an extent. 
but he's a, he's still a class player. I'm not overly concerned in the long run, but they do need him firing because um, you know Green's still not quite there yet at Test level, albeit made a good time for WA against Tasmania, and clearly Kawaja and Smith and the like are coming towards the end. As we forecast to next summer, which is going to be bumper, what are the burning questions that you've got over the Aussie Test team? Jared's mentioned Lavashane, you quickly touched on Green. Can Nathan Lyon keep this up with his age and his body, perhaps, and his durability? Look, I think it's a question with all these guys: can they keep it up? I mean, Lyon, obviously, you know, after playing a hundred straight Tests, finally had you know injury finally caught up with him. Um, age finally caught up with him with that calf injury, obviously at Lords, which was a you know, turning point of the whole series. Um, and, you know, all these guys, are, you know, to go back to what you said at the start, these guys are, they're older players. They're, they're going to be more susceptible to injury as well, as well as they are managed and as well as, say, a Josh Hazelwood who's got through the last six to nine months. I mean, you're always a little bit nervous with someone like him or Mitchell Stark, fast bowlers at that stage of their career line as well. You know, do the reflexes start to slow a bit for someone like a Kawaja who's been so mighty over the last couple of years? So I think in short, it's can these Australian greats and, you know, just about all of them there are greats at various levels. Can they just get to the line? Can they continue to hold close enough to, that, to their best so that they can match it with a, a, an Indian side that is starting to find um, some younger players? The other one I think is really interesting is Mitch Marsh, who has had a huge you know, 12 months and, and obviously just turned around his reputation with an Australian cricket and such a beloved character, you know, winning the Allen Border medal. But I, he probably had, just had a bit of luck on the batting front in Test cricket over the last six months. And I just wonder if is that... Is it sustainable for him to go as well as he has um, or even close to that level um, for another another 12 months? Well, Dan, you're jumping on a plane? Uh, next Tuesday, heading off for the test. So not, mm. not there for the T20s, but uh, a couple of tests. So very lucky. Uh, Wellington Christchurch, worst places to be. Beautiful country, New Zealand, of course. So looking forward to it. All right, mate. Well, we look forward to reading you in Code Sports and no doubt you will be good enough to jump on with us and tell us about the Test Series, mate. We appreciate your time. Always generous with it and have a great trip. No, looking forward to it and thanks a lot.